You're listening to Five Things with Lisa Birnbach. Hi, it's Lisa Birnbach. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. It's our one-year birthday, and I feel I feel very immature. That's five things that I've come up with 52 times. How do you do it, you're asking or you're thinking to yourself? How did you come up with 260 great things that make your life better? I swear I don't know, but you know what? When you work hard enough at trying to locate things that make you feel better, you find them. I'm also celebrating my seventh birthday because I feel a little doggish. And as Jimmy, our engineer, pointed out, one year is seven years in the canine world. So happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Please, no gifts. No, no, none of that. I'm just giving you the interviews that we have done and talking to you and hearing back from you is all the gift I want. Now, if you've been on vacation these last few weeks, you may not have heard the story about the journalist who was sexually assaulted by a businessman 23 years ago and kept it to herself until a few weeks ago. That journalist was my friend E. Jean Carroll, who was on this podcast in February. The businessman was Donald Trump. And I was the friend E. Jean telephoned from the street outside of Bergdorf Goodman, the department store where it happened. Reliving my friend's agony was tough this week. Reading the nasty and cowardly things that anonymous strangers posted to her made me ill. But I still came away with five things that made life better. Number one, support is support is support. Maybe it's not quite love, but the enormous outpouring of gratitude towards Carol, the other corroborator and me, made my heart swell. I heard from people from every era of my life, I mean, amazed by some of the people who reached out to me, and they were so touched and grateful for me to simply be the backup. It was as if everyone this week was E. Jean Carroll, and that meant a lot to me. Number two, friends. Friends who helped me make the difficult decisions about the media. I was overwhelmed by the options and unsure how to proceed and if I wanted to proceed. And what were the pros and cons? Jamie, Maria, Shelley all helped me tremendously. Also thanks to Susan, Diane, Star, Sam, Spressa, and Boko. Number three, help. If you have a friend who is abused or raped or you yourself are dealing with sexual violence, please know there are lots of resources for you. There's everything from the National Sexual Assault Hotline to, I'm looking at what I printed out over the last week, there are hotlines for stalking, for survivors with disabilities, for male survivors of sexual assault, for so many. Legal resources, mental health resources, there's Safe Horizon, which has a hotline that's operational 24 hours a day. All these resources will be posted on our page at lisabernbach.com. No one, no one needs to get through this by themselves, even if they feel semi-responsible for the attack. Number four, getting away if you can. 
We had long-standing plans to visit our friends on Long Island, and the timing couldn't have been better. We went to the beach, which, as some of you may recall, is my favorite place in the world. And Saturday night, we enjoyed a sunset that, I promise you, looked like it could have been painted by Tintoretto. The layers of delicate pinks and yellows was extraordinary. Number five, honesty. It's not the best policy. It's the only policy. When you are truthful, you don't have to calculate what to say or worry about keeping your story straight. There are no alternatives. It's easy. It's the right thing to do. And frankly, it's very chic. And now, my conversation with a chic, fine, and honest woman, the actress and writer, Jamie Lee Curtis. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. This is our one-year birthday. We now, we're, we're starting to walk a little, and no one would be a better guest for our special one-year broadcast than my dear friend, Jamie Lee Curtis, and she joins us now. Good morning. Happy birthday. You know, you you said it exactly there. You're just starting to walk. People, you know, one-year-olds, they have their balance. They are self-propelling. They're curious. They are getting into everything. They put everything in their mouth. And that, to me, is kind of what you are starting to do. You're really hitting your stride, talking about things that are important. You're curious. You have balance. You have an understanding of both things. It's, It's a really important time for you, for the country, um, for the world at large. So happy birthday. I'm, I'm honored to have been chosen to be at your birthday party. Thank you. I'm honored that you came to my party, honestly. I love talking to you. When I had an actual radio show, you had a wonderful <laughs> weekly or bi-monthly position where we did a segment called You're the Boss of Me. Mm-hmm. And um, that was that was no sweat. Um, I was thinking this morning, you are so good at so many things. But what do you and many things that the public doesn't know about? What do you think you're best at? That's a stumper. Um, I am. What am I best at? Well, you know, ultimately, I think most of us feel um, less than just because there's so many people out there who are more than there are so many people out there working so hard for social justice so hard to make you know transformational change for other human beings nurses people who show up every single day of their lives to care for people i feel so less than because I don't do any of that. I That's I, actually not true. I mean, you're a, a an active sponsor to people. That's actually true. <laughs> yes, no, that's true, but it's not really what yes, uh, and and it's one of my five things. Yes. Um is that I'm a sober uh woman um talking to you today that I am um, t- over 20 years 
um, in recovery from an addiction to opiates and alcohol. And yes, you know, but the question was, what am I good at? Mm -mm. Like, what's your best thing? You're you're great at bringing people together. You're great at um, uh, making Caesar salad. You're a great photographer. I was just getting started. Uh, no, well, I truly feel like I'm, yes, I'm getting started. I have a, a very creative mind. Is probably What I would probably say is my best thing is that I have a very creative mind. You are an idea factory. I have to say. I am an idea factory, and I have been waiting for a company to recognize that and say, hey, James, come in here. We have an office for you. We're going to put your name on the door, and it literally is going to say Idea Girl. And basically, people can come in and tell me about something, and I'll go, hmm, okay, I have an idea. Here's what. I'm, I'm kind of a marketing. I'm a marketing whiz. Um, I, I, I will tell you that I recognize BS in a nanosecond. Well, that is a huge skill, which and, I don't have. And I am longing for authenticity. I am longing for it in my work, in my creativity, and mostly in my interpersonal relationships. I want to be me. And I've earned it at 60. Oh, yes, you have. That I I am starting to really understand me and um, saying what I mean and meaning what I say and trying not to say it mean. You know, I'm, 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 you know, obviously, I'm speaking to you, a woman who has spent her life saying what you mean and meaning what you say, and uh, and really challenging the way people think um, with your observations. And obviously, this last couple weeks has brought you know that to the fore um, with um, your going on the record, acknowledging the truth of what occurred with E. Jean Carroll. Um, so many years ago, and your conversation, uh, conversation with her regarding the assault and the and the uh, the rape that occurred, um, in, in, you know, in her story, and I'm proud of you because you you stood up and you suited up and showed up and said yes, I will say this occurred and you know we wouldn't be where we are in the me too movement we certainly wouldn't be the way we were with watergate there people have to stand up and bear witness and put their name and their voice to issues or nothing changes and i'm proud of you well thank you i wanted to speak longer about you but well, since you mentioned this episode with E. Jean Carroll, and since it has uh, absorbed most of my energy this week, as you know, because I sought advice from you, because you are so honest, I used to joke with you that you had a, you know, your passion was for honesty, because when you went into recovery, you sort of re 
booted your relationships, talking about your interpersonal relationships. I remember when you told me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think relationships have to go through metamorphoses. Mm-hmm. Are there is there a plural for yes? You did that correctly. It? Metamorphoses. Metamorphoses. I believe so. Okay. Do you put the little apostrophe after it? Don't even <laughs> uh, don't even ask me about a, a, a an apostrophe. Okay. Don't even. I don't even know how to spell apostrophe. Um, <laughs> I'm. I think relationships people need to go through process of shedding. And um, I've certainly done it before I got sober. Um, I've certainly done it since I've gotten sober. And it's hard for people to shed skin, to change relationships, to, to look at relationships that are not feeding them anymore, that are not nourishing them, um, that are old ideas. You know, if, if there's a thing that I throw out all the time just in the world Mm -hmm. is is that an old idea or a new idea because they're old ideas that become calcified and they I think do restrict you from manifesting your destiny because you're locked in this sort of calcified idea and you need to break out of them and shed that skin, often shed a friendship, often shed a relationship, even shed long-held ideas, and expose some new growth, some new opportunity for something to enter our heads, because we're here such a short effing time. But, you know, it's hard to recognize when you're operating comfortably, at least, on on a premise that that premise is is old or or passé you know what you're saying makes sense but in the doing it's very difficult yes but you have to examine them and i'm going to throw out a quote i'm only going to throw it out because i've used it before when i do public speaking to help understand this idea of metamorphosis uh-huh and i'm going to misquote it but i'll get it somewhat right that E.L. Doctorow wrote about transformation. He says, when things go unexamined for a long enough time, certain things happen. They become mythological. They become very, very powerful. They create conformity, and they intimidate. Hmm. And to me, if you're a member of a family, and this was for me, When I use it, I use it in reference to my family of origin. Flawed and triumphant, as all families of origins are. Like, we all um, struggle with our families, and we all are devoted to our families. Right. And yet, it's important to look at that calcified, unexamined quote, old idea that is fed to you, imprinted on you by your family. Because how do you develop your own mind? How do you do it if you don't examine it and then shed the parts of it that don't work for you? They may have worked for somebody else in your in your family and in, in many generations back. But what about you? 
And that's been a goal for me in my 60 years on the planet. Remember when I told you one New Year's Day that I had a, a reckoning and I decided that some of my exhibits were unhappy with the way I was dealing with them, with the way their siblings were dealing with them. So I decided on New Year's Eve day to distribute little notebooks to all of them and say to them, okay, what? write down what is the one thing you want all of us to know about you now? You're young adults. We shouldn't use the same language. We shouldn't use the same, assume anything that was true of you as a child is is important to you now. And they all wrote things down, and then we discussed them. And it was, for me, one of the most moving exercises I could imagine, especially when they say, can we keep the notebooks? <laughs> right. And then when I said, can we do this again next year, they said, you can, but you've ruined the restaurant and you've ruined New Year's Eve day for us. But if you want to, we will. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what you were attempting is exactly what I'm talking about, which is how do you move forward in old ideas and that some of those old ideas work for us? I mean, even look at the look at the debates. Yeah. Look at the last two nights of debating or the, and this is a week later, so a right. week ago the debates. Right. It, it's it, it was an it was in evidence old ideas and new ideas. Yes. Some of the old ideas do work. Some of the old, old ideas are fantastic. But some of them need changing and rethinking. And you have both sides of the spectrum in, in all of the different candidates and their strengths and their, and their uh, foibles. And we are trying as a nation to understand what are our options, how much of the old idea do we need to bring to this election, and how much new idea can we tolerate and kind of go, it, 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 you know, with the hope of, the, the, the promise of the new ideas. And look, it, you know, the New Deal was a new idea. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it's been sort of co-opted, not co-opted, but you know what I mean? It's now that term, the New Deal, we're going to use for any big new ideas. But it's new. And what I'm hoping is that as I get older, that I can, I certainly don't expect that you will see pictures of me with my pants showing my butt crack, you know, kind of um, wearing hip hop clothes. Um, or wearing, you know, Drew uh, T-shirts, um, you know, on a skateboard to prove that I am doing new things with new ideas. You're breaking my heart. I'm sorry. I know you just want to see that picture of <laughs> yeah. me in baggy jeans with a Drew T-shirt on it, a skateboard. Yes. Once I figure out what a Drew T-shirt is, I would. Um, I would really like uh, that. Justin Bieber's oh, um, yeah. clothing company. Oh, very sorry. good. But my point, but there is my point. Like, I want to be able to be, welcome new ideas, not become one of those old people that's like, well, when I was younger, 
Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, you know, because then you're living in the past. You're gushrying about the past. <laughs> you're lamenting the loss of the good old days. There were no good old frickin' days, ever. People have struggled from the moment we became human beings. People struggle every single day. There were never good old days. There was poverty, there was sickness, there was warfare. There was rage, mental illness, everything mm -hmm. in those good old days. Those old, good old days were about oppression and hiding and how many women um, kind of came out of the good old days alcoholic or drug addicted. It's, it's, and that concept to me makes me crazy. But what I also want to do is not, I want to be able to be um, thoroughly modern Jamie. I want to have my own mind and be able to take in these new ideas that young people are bringing to the table and hold on to some lovely old, I still like it when children are, are taught to say with manners. I still believe in manners. I was raised with yes ma'am, yes sir. I still, to this day, ask who I'm speaking to right away whenever it is I'm on a phone call with someone mm -hmm. and then refer to them. Um, by name. By name. And then when I finish the phone call with them, whatever it is I'm doing, I say, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. I'm, that's an old idea. I, you know, I write thank you notes. Old idea. Right. I try not to do text thank you notes. I try to actually write them. Am I some dinosaur? Maybe. But there are wonderful new things, too. So you see what I'm saying. I I'm, do. Listen, I'm, I think what I, I uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't tell you this, but I do think about the good old days for one reason. I think about civility. And does this make me sound like a school marm? Undoubtedly. But in the in the 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 thing I'm nostalgic for, and I don't want to give it a time. I don't want to say it was this era or that era, but I'm nostalgic for people treating one another with respect and the assumption that we all deserve respect because that was how it was when I was growing up. And I remember when I used to live on East End Avenue in that nice little building with my family and there was a family with kids that never, those kids never said good morning to the doorman. They never said thank you when someone opened a door or opened a cab or, or hailed a cab for them or whatever it was. And it wasn't just kids. People who just assume that they are entitled to a certain kind of service and obeisance. And that makes me crazy. So I really do think that saying thank you to someone even someone who doesn't expect it, like the bus driver on the Crosstown bus, you know what? That's a nice thing to do. It costs me nothing. But I notice if I thank a bus driver, that the two people after me also thank him or her. And that's nice. It, it, yes. It, it's maybe not that important in no, the no, scheme it's, of things. It's, of course I do, it's important. But I think it is because we are living with people who are expressing rage all the time, whether it's online, whether it's 
on the highway, whether it's at a parking, you know, fighting over a, 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 a spot to park in, whatever it is, there's a kind of simmering rage, you know, that feels like it, it could go up in flames. And and the election was a statement that rage is the choice right now. Yes, and, I think you're right. And that- I think we will find our way hopefully back to a time where we're all in this together. No one gets out alive. No one. And we are, as a, as a society, linked, even though we don't want to believe we are. And it's interesting. We, my friend Eric Waterman, who's my friend Kathy Waterman's brother, um, produced a documentary that I watched the other night on Amazon. I urge all of your listeners to watch it. Um, called, I believe it's called East L.A. Interchange. And it was about Boyle Heights, which is oh. an area and city and uh, a community in Los Angeles. And it's the history of Boyle Heights. And it's the history of what was a neighborhood where, as it's described, there were black, brown, Chinese, Jewish, everyone living together um, happily. And, you know, for in circumstances that we, we are seeing today on the uh, uh, yesterday in the Supreme Court, the mm-hmm. gerrymandering, right. that the redlining a neighborhood post-war um, America, th- uh, this neighborhood was redlined and this other sort of suburban neighborhood was greenlined. And the white European veterans and families moved to, in Los Angeles, it's called the Los Ange- uh, the San Fernando Valley. And it, I didn't understand. I thought it was white flight. I thought it was racism. It wasn't. Huh. It was actually created racism by gerrymandering, basically, by, by creating financial incentives for people to move out of this area. And look, I'm no expert. Uh, I urge you to watch it. It really opened my eyes to how much of this, these old ideas were set in place by institutions bigger than me. Mm. That it wasn't inherently that people were like, ooh, the black family moved in next door. Let's move, honey. That wasn't it. Interesting. And then what happens when you segregate neighborhoods? And you see, I there's a in the in the um, in the movie there is a high school, Roosevelt High School, who went on strike. The student body went on strike, demanding more funding for their school, more Spanish teachers, more that the uh, Spanish language be allowed in the school, the history um, be taught in the school. And the teacher that is in this documentary is telling the syllabus Mm -hmm. that he teaches of the heritage of Mexican-Americans and Hispanic-Americans in Boyle Heights. And I, I was like raising my hand going, 
can I join the class? (laughs) Because I don't know anything, really. And you and I are privileged white people. We are. Yes, we are. And where you grew up, Upper East Side, New York, doormen in your building. I grew up in Beverly Hills, California. I can always say, well, it was a canyon. It was very rustic. We had a dirt road. We had a donkey outside. It was kind of like a farm. Bullshit. (laughs) I've never been on a farm. I've never worked really hard a day in my life. And so I have to get out of that old idea, that old drilled-in idea and really recognize that there are people working on behalf of social justice every single day of their life because it is life and death for them. Yes, yes. And I am wildly impressed and want to support those people in those institutions who are really working for change in America and in the world and in their communities, directly in their communities, And that's not something. That's where I need to be able to look and change myself and go, okay, how can I help that? Because I was confronted by it in this wonderful documentary, and I knew nothing. You know, I I hear you. That's why you you and I read The Uh, Power Broker, The Power Broker, right. You're the only human being I know who read it. I am telling you. With all the people I know in the world, when I said to you, I'm reading this amazing book. The biography of Robert Moses, who who basically designed metropolitan New York, New York City. What we would now call New York City. Right. Or, or that whole area. Um, I said to you, I'm reading this. You, you said, the power broker? So am I. I was like, stop it. That, to me is what we're talking about here. You see, we just live in a world where we go over these bridges and we don't even know where they came from. Right. And now, of course, you're having all the problems in the city with traffic and blah, 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 because no one really thought it out. It worked for a very short amount of time, mm-hmm. this Robert Moses business. And it's no different than the the Los Angeles freeways. The, uh, the, the East L.A. interchange is literally where they put free. They literally raised neighborhoods to right. put in these freeways. In these freeways, and then as we saw in the fantasy movie La La Land, they back up. They don't move. You get right. on the highway at a certain freeway at a certain moment. You know it's time for a podcast, or you could listen to all of the Power Broker fourteen hundred pages or whatever it is while you you're that, in traffic. But, right, but that is to me why we're both friends, we both respect each other, and we're both trying to figure out why are we here, what do we have to offer, what can we help change, and what do we just have to accept and understand that these kind of transformational changes take a long time. No, they do. Last week, I had a fantastic guest, Shannon Watts. Shannon Watts was a housewife, a mother of five. She was folding laundry in Indiana when the news came out of Sandy Hook. And 
she started crying and said, this is terrible. I can't, we can't keep doing this. And she actually, within a day, put something on Facebook saying, I'm a mom and I'm, I'm angry. I want to stop gun violence. And today she has hundreds of thousands of followers, but mostly importantly, volunteers who go to courtrooms, who go to legislatures all around the country and have actually made a difference in in states where now silencers are illegal mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I just am so overwhelmed by how she did it. She did it with bake sales and she did it in the most humble and grassroots of ways. And that is something that I think about when you talk about the word authenticity. You don't pretend you're somebody you're not. You don't pretend that you're a policy wonk when you're learning as you go. But you say, I'm a mom and I care. And that is kind of what I'm talking I mean, that's yes. exactly what I'm talking about. And by the way, you used the phrase, you know, now she has hundreds of thousands of followers. And then you kind of caught yourself because we've put that word yeah. It's become such a ridiculous watermark on you know yeah. to, to excuse the flooding global warming right flooding pun if there really yes. is such a thing. But this is the person you the deserves and needs followers. Like this is right. this is why God invented um, social Facebook media or yeah. social media yeah. to follow her to right. say what can you do you know I bought the rights to the story of Sarah Cunningham yes. who was a Christian mom in Oklahoma City whose son is gay and once she reconciled which took her a long time um, the the contradiction between this this her son's this very rigid um, doctrine and her son, this right. beautiful human being who she gave birth to and who she lives with, and she put her hand up on Facebook and said, if you're gay and your biological parents do not support you, I will show up for you as a stand-in mom. And that sparked an, an organization of, of these fierce mama bears and they started something called Free Mom Hugs. And there are not chapters all around the country. Wow. And they go to pride parades and they stand there with open arms. And when a gay person is marching in a pride parade, there is Sarah or one of her flock. Yes. Opening their arms, giving them a hug of support, telling people that they love them. And they're worthy. And they're worthy that's of love. Also yes. why God invented social media. Right. Not to sell products, not to glorify, um, um, you, you know, the... Your vacation the, toes Well, and buried in the sand. And again, I'm going to misquote him, but William Goldman, my favorite line of any book ever, is from The Princess Bride. Life is pain, highness, and anyone who tells you different is selling something. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's... Life is difficult, and we are constantly selling people this idea that 
whatever it is that the charlatans are selling um, will make their life better, and it won't. Right. No, it's true. And if I see one more Brazier ad on my Facebook th- thread, I'm going to pull out my hair. I haven't ordered one of these indie bras yet, and I'm not intending to. And it's just it, it's just amazing. It's amazing how our devices spy on us. They're listening to us. Yeah, see, All, I, yeah, well, you know I, that. I know, but I don't. It's funny. I'm yes, I'm concerned. I'm 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 more just concerned that people are so closed-minded. Well, that and un- is un- yeah. unwilling to for a second um, listen to another person's point of view. And it is the reason we're in the mess we're in is because we've divided ourselves. And I hope that the next president of the United States will be, you know, we all read Team of Rivals. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy who brought his rivals into his administration. Yes. To say, I... I can't be just my way because there are going to be plenty of people who disagree with me. And how do we come up with some common ground? I guess one thing I would like to say on the record is that when I and many people like me watch the debates and watch the news, to which I am probably clinically addicted. When I do that, I'm There's not... There's a program do- for that. Yeah. I am not doing it. I'm not hate-watching. I'm not watching it to get unhappy or uncomfortable. I'm watching it to learn what people are saying. I am not watching to... Am I biased? Uh, yes, of course I am. I, I'm very biased. But I want to be enchanted deli- enchanted is strong i want to be delighted i want to be impressed i'm watching the news as someone who is looking for something enlightening and something that will make a positive difference it could come from this administration it could come from any administration to me the labels don't even matter anymore i don't care what party you're in i don't care at all i care if we have the same values, and you want to lift people up. That's it. You know, I, I, I think so many people think that if you're on either coast and you are a registered Democrat, you're hating, you're hate-watching the Republicans, and the Republicans are hate-watching the Democrats. I don't think that's always the case. Just wanted to say that to you. Well, I'm glad you've said it, and there's the rub, if you will, because... It's going to take all of us listening to alternative points of view, reading alternative points of view, listening to people explain themselves, um, and not just get into the rhetoric and not just get into the loud voices. Yeah, Um, screaming at one another or screaming within their silos. Uh, It does feel when I, I, I really... 
only use Facebook at this point to announce when each new podcast is up. Right. But in between, and to wish some people happy birthday, but in between, I see such such rage and such rancor, and it just, it's so uncomfortable, and I don't like any of it, really. I'm going to send something to you mm-hmm. that maybe you can put up um, on your website. Oh. Do you have a website for the oh, podcast? I do. It's okay. lisabernbach.com. Okay. So, um, have you, did you, have you ever listened to Desi Dorada, the... The poem? The poem that was yes. found in the old St. Paul's Church in Baltimore? I've, I didn't know it was found there, but I, I have read that poem, yes. Um, can I read it? Yes. Love you to. Go placidly amid the noise and haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even the dull and ignorant. They, too, have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe. No less than the trees and the stars, you have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be, whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life. Keep peace with your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Mm. Be careful. Strive to be happy. That's beautiful. And I, that, like if you had to boil me down to sort of like what I believe, because I'm not religious. Right. I don't follow a religious doctrine. I'm a kind of a hybrid. Mm-hmm. But that says everything to me that we should be saying to each other. Mm-hmm. I don't care. That, to me, that those words separate everything. It doesn't matter that you had a doorman and I lived in Benedict Canyon. 
the same person who was raised in Detroit in a fourth floor walk-up can read the same thing and apply the same ideas mm-hmm. in their daily life, and we are connected. It doesn't matter that my circumstances are more privileged than theirs, because there are plenty of other ways that they, people, could say, you have no right to say any of this because you've never struggled the way I have, and I completely own it. And yet this, these words, to me, level the playing field. You have just as much a right as trees or sky? Yeah. To be here. Yeah. I mean, that's no powerful. No less than the trees and stars. You have a right to be here. That's very powerful. It's very, but the whole thing is very powerful. And it's, um, it's sort of germane. Look, you, you started this podcast. Yeah. Because of the noise yes. that you were living in. Yes, you're. You're all. All this is. I, I. I thank you for reading Desiderata. But the noise and haste, Lisa, is why you started a year ago a podcast. Five things. Yes, that's right. I was miserable. Right, and this is saying we are all the same. We all fall prey to the same things, Mm -hmm. feeling less than. There are always going to be people with a sadder story and with a happier story. There are going to always be people with less money and less um, privilege and more privilege. There are going to be people who are thinner and heavier. There are going to be people younger and older. It's just the level playing field of life. Yes. We're all in this together. And we can be grateful wherever we are for what we have and do something with them. Well, because that's when you brought up that woman. Yes, Shannon Watts. Shannon Watts, there is the story. She did something with the noise and haste and disillusionment. She and did. And sadness that befell Sandy Hook and their families, those moms and dads and siblings and grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends, community. Yes. Yes, and I am so, you know, you sort of cut right to the quick here of everything that this podcast has been about and the reason we got to be one years old. And you whether you like it or not, have been a huge help to me throughout my adult life. Because we're friends. Because we're friends. And you're really, really good at being a friend, let me just say, of all your particular talents. And one, you know, it's not that I'm demeaning your ability to fall asleep at 8 p.m. Thank you. I, I respect that. But I, but the... You're you're a wonderful friend. You've taught me a lot. And you, I, I, I mean, we haven't talked about this in a while, but you were the one who helped me refrain my, not ref, 
reframe, sorry, my feeling about work when I was doing some stuff I didn't love doing because I needed to earn the money. You said you get to do this, not you have to do this. Jamie, every day of my life, I think of that since. And that is one of the reasons I'm grateful to you. But now it's time to hear about the five things that make your life better. Okay. So the first, of course, we already mentioned it is sobriety. Um, I am, as I said, sober 20 years. And it is the single greatest accomplishment of my life, um, bar none, Mm -hmm. uh, because it, uh, it is a, I believe, a family disease, and it is insidious. And it knows also no boundaries. Um, it, it hits every economic level. It hits every every separation level that you can be separated. It hits. It right. it, it it doesn't care. And um, just incredibly grateful to being sober. The fact that I'm sixty. And I am heading into sort of the, you know, the final quarter of the game. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. It's a numbers game. And I have health care. And I'm privileged that I'm in a union that offers really good health care, that I'm actually in a couple unions that offer health care, and that I'm married to a man in eight unions that offers health care. <laughs> eight and, unions, wow. You know what I mean? The, yeah. The, the, so... I recognize, because I have pre-existing conditions, Yes, we're human. Well, this is number two, is having access to health care. Well, and that's, to me, something I am grateful for every day as I'm getting older and seeing the need for it, mm-hmm. and understanding that most people struggle with this as the number one problem in their lives. Yes. I, that story that Kamala Harris yes. said in the debate about yep. a parent driving a child with a high fever to the emergency room, sitting outside the emergency room in the car and realizing that she can't afford the care that he would get there. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I don't take it for granted. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely aware that that is a privilege and should be the privilege of every human being is uh, affordable, comprehensive health care um, so that they can be human, which means um, uh, grow old. Right. And, right. And the uh, associated illnesses and and um, issues that befall. Therein. Every person, <laughs> yes. by the way. Again, yes. nobody gets out nobody of this alive. Right. Nobody gets out of this without ailments. Um, number I, three. Number three is that I have healthy, wise, expansive family, my husband and my two children, all unique individuals, all are in the world, partnered up with other people, um, heading toward their futures in a healthy, mindful way. And, you know, I'm grateful that that has been the privilege of my life, to be able to to help them along 
and to see the fruits of that labor. Yes, um, wonderful. Is, and, you, and being a great mother is something. Uh, uh, you know, being a flawed. Being but, a flawed, but. But, but loving mother. Loving mother. Is, um, uh, We're all flawed. Uh, yeah, well, that's, but, again, yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> but, I would say the fourth thing is my creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, as we talked about kind of at the beginning of this whole thing, a creative person. Um, I'm an idea girl. I am I am at that point now, I've shared this with you, Lisa, that to me, the tragedy of my death will not be my human death because I'm 60 already. Like, it's already... All right like, already. No, but my point being that back in the day, I was like an old, 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 old person at 60. People were dying in their 40s. Right. Commonly. Right. So... I'm saying the tragedy of my death is simply the creativity that didn't come out of my head. Because that means it died with me. Well, I do want to say that you are a patent holder. I do want to say holder. I'm developing. You're developing many shows and movies, and you've written books for children. You have your photography. I I do want to. No, I want to tell. But the point is that. Creativity is crucial to the human race, and th- that I am excited every day by my creativity. Could I and, just say one thing, uh, please? Please, it's yeah, five things. It's your show, yeah, right. It's your birthday. You're the wearing the birthday hat. I'm wearing the hat. You should see. I am wearing a hat. The fact is that you. I just want, I know you, but our listeners don't know that you can be driving in your car down the street and you could hear a news broadcast uh, about a military yeah, and then, thing. And, and then, then write a TV show about it. Correct. Yes. And, I mean, and, this is what she does all the time. She yeah, has but, a lot of stuff, but a lot of projects. I also raised my kids, was very involved in their schools. I also had many jobs and earned a living and put away my creativity a lot of the time. Yeah. And now that my kids are raised up, prior to the grandchildren, I do feel like I have this window of creativity. And yeah. I'm it. Hard. Yeah, yeah. So it's my and by the way, just as a joke, one of the books um, I wrote for children is called um, "It's Hard to Be Five: uh, Learning How to Work My Control Panel right. um, About Self Control." But it was a high five. You know, I'm making a movie about the birth of the high the five, high five. Hands. which was invented yes. by a closeted gay Afri- African American man in Los Angeles in the 70s. Um, the first high five was thrown up by a closeted gay man. It's just crazy that it could even be traced. And I am uh, actively at Amazon trying to produce a movie about his life. And then the last thing in my five is my little rescue dog, Rooney. Oh, that Rooney. I have a little rescue dog who is my little companion. Um, he has brought so much love and connection to my family. My children are both grown and gone, and I recognized my missing that kind of little companion that I had just, you know, raised up two kids into adulthood. And I rescued Rooney from Perfect Pet Rescue in Los Angeles, which is this beautiful group of women, primarily women, who 
go to shelters and rescue small dogs that they can place um, with their clientele. And Rooney came to my family uh, December 30th, three years ago, and he has changed our life. And the power of rescue animals, um, the, the power of an animal connection is astonishing. The power of a rescue animal connection, double, triple, quadruple that. Mm-hmm. And he just came to my mind when I was thinking of these five things. He has made my life better. And I hope I've made his better. But oh, I can you tell you right now, even though you might go, yeah, well, you've, of course, made his life better. I'm telling you, my life and my family's life is better for for having the connection to him that we do. And that's my fifth He's thing. a little bundle of love. I've seen it. And by the way, I used to say when our rescue dog, Henry, was with us, I'd say, who rescued whom exactly? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so well, there's my five. Well, uh Jamie, a name I never call you. I know. You call me, and you call me Ling. I call, and I you, call Ling. you Ling. And Ling. your listeners will have to figure out why. Okay. It's um, our secret. Darling. 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 Ling. There it is, people. Okay. You've now heard us sing the uh, Ling the song. Ling song. <laughs> <laughs> Ling song. We have given each other friendship shoes. Yeah. Friendship belts. And truth. And, and truth. And and. Uh, happy, thank you for celebrating with me. Happy I, birthday, I Lisa. love you. I love you, too. God thank bless you. everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Five Things That Make Life Better with me, Lisa Birnbach. My guest this week, our birthday week, was Jamie Lee Curtis. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and YouTube, or wherever else you could possibly get a podcast where at the AMP at your ATM. Look for me at your ATM. My blog is at lisabernbach.com where you'll find links and photos about all the things we spoke about here today. This podcast is produced in New York City by thefieldtv.com. My engineer is Jimmy Regan. My team is Spressa Arucci, Michael Port, and Sam Haft. Until next week, happy birthday to America. Happy birthday to us. Stay cool and act natural. Bye-bye. That was Five Things with Lisa Bernbach. New episodes every Friday, if she remembers.